Good morning to everyone here. Good morning to everyone uh, watching online. For our congregational prayer this morning, I want to say the serenity prayer. I think it's been a few months since we said this uh, together. Uh, and uh, normally if I were doing a congregational prayer, I would, I would write it out myself. But I really wanted to do this one this morning because I need this. Uh, and I need, um, I, I need the things that, that uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, how about that for a name? He's the one who wrote this. All right. Um, he was a theologian about 120 years ago, I think. And uh, he wrote this, and I think it's very appropriate. And it's what I need this morning. We say this every week at Celebrate Recovery. Uh, and it's, it's very good for people in recovery. And, and right now, I think the whole uh, nation might be a little bit in recovery. Uh, so let's, you can stay seated, but let's recite this together. Uh, but actually, a couple of things I want to point out that are my favorite parts of it. Courage to change the things I can. Courage to change the things I can. I want to be tactful, and but bold enough to say the things that need to be said, to do the things that need to be said, to make the hard decisions. I want to be able to do that. Um, living one day at a time, realizing that yesterday's failures are, do not mean that today is a failure too. Today can be victorious, even if yesterday was a failure. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not, what, not as I would have it. To, to be realistic and to look around and say, this is what I really see. And if I'm going to reach this world, if I'm going to have any impact on this world, of course Jesus didn't want to leave this world as it is, but he, wanted to, he saw it as it was, accepted it as it was, and let that be his starting point to start effecting change. Um, and then the most important thing, well... What's, I don't know what's most important. If I surrender to his will. If I surrender to his will. If I surrender to his will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life. Reasonably happy. Do I expect heaven on earth? Do I expect the bliss of heaven in a sinful world? That's unreasonable of me to think that. But to know that I will be supremely happy with Jesus forever just not right now. That's important, and that's the things that I need, to, I need to remember. Okay, there's sermon number one. Let's pray this prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Lord, please grant us <laughs> those prayers. Please open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 122. Psalm 122. In our summer series on Psalms, you get it? Summer series of Psalms here. Uh, can I say that one more time? Maybe I'll get a laugh. The, the summer series of Psalms. It would be better as a written joke than a spoken joke, I suppose. Uh, this is the last one that I'm going to do this summer. 
uh, I've um, I've found so many, and I really wanted to preach 150 as the as the final one. But I'm actually going to save that for another uh, sermon series that I'm going to do later on. Psalm 122 is very different from the other psalms that that I've been preaching. I've been preaching psalms of of disorientation and new orientation mostly. There was a theologian, remember, named Walter Brueggemann who talked about some psalms are, are songs that you sing to give you a foundation in life. And then there are other psalms that you sing when everything is out of whack, everything is complete chaos, and I'm, I'm completely disoriented in life. I don't know what's true anymore. Uh, the country music of the psalms, if you will. And then there are psalms of new orientation where I have a new and better understanding of those foundational truths that I, I sang about before, before the disorientation. Only after the disorientation can I have this new orientation that is a firmer, stronger faith and hope in the Lord. This psalm this morning, uh, I, I guess I would put it, if I was putting it in one of Brueggemann's categories, I'd, put it, uh, I'd make it a psalm of orientation. These are the things that we know to be true about worship, about Jerusalem, about pilgrimage, about the, the holidays that we are, the, that we are commanded to celebrate uh, in the Old Testament. Um, and it's also what, what we call a psalm of ascent, a psalm of ascent. Now, what in the world is a psalm of ascent? Let's, let's pray, and then let's read it, and then we'll talk about that, okay? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we ask this morning, Lord, that you would teach us from your word. Teach us what this means and teach us how to apply a very Old Testament thing to our New Testament lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing firm in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There, are, there, stands, there stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of, of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. All right. Um, do you love a good parade? Do you love a good parade? And I'm not, I, I like a parade, but I'm not really talking. Did I leave some verses off the end of that? No? Okay. All right. I have this printed out um, for myself, and it just seemed like it ended a little more abruptly than I thought. Anyway. Parades, and, and, and I like a good parade, but I'm not necessarily one that will sit and watch the Macy's parade uh, for three or four hours. The Rockettes really don't do anything for me. Uh, I don't like all the lip syncing of the, the new pop stars, and I don't like the contrived banter of the soap stars that are the hosts each year, okay? No, no, no. Give me a homecoming parade in my hometown. Go downtown. And because on, that, on, that, on those floats and in that parade, what am I going to see? Uh, in my hometown, uh, you're going to see uh, the 4-H club. They're going to have a, a float. Uh, you're going to see different um, civic organizations all throughout town. You're going to see the VFW marching uh, past. Uh, you're going to hear the marching band, the marching band with their cadences, and they're playing the school song and all that. You're going to see uh, the teams on the floats going through. And it's people you know. 
It's people you know. You're, look, you're looking through, and you're like, hey, there's such and such. Hey, there's such and such. Look, they're coming through. And then, of course, in my hometown, uh, towards the end, you're going to have the Roundup Club. So you're going to have 50 or 100 people on horses uh, coming by. You always put the Roundup Club last so that the marching band doesn't have to march through the exhaust uh, from, the, from the horses. And then at the very end, you've got the... Uh, the fire trucks. You got the fire trucks, and they'll come on. They're going to have their lights going, and then, and they'll give you a siren. Everyone, everybody has to close their ears and burr, 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 and all that, and and it's just so great. Now think about this. Think about this. Parades coming through town. Parades coming through town, and you know the people there, and they're actually from the next town. But uh, but when they come through town, they look at you and they say, "Come with us. Come with us. Let's go. Let's go." Because most uh, hometown parades. They just go around the block. My mom was from a town so small that the parade went around twice. Okay? But uh, most parades just go around the block and then everybody disperses and goes home. But what if the parade just kept on going and it just kept on going and everybody said, drop what you're doing and come with us. Drop what you're doing. Come with us. Pack a bag real quick. Come with us. We're singing all the way to Jerusalem. Wow. And that's what a song of ascent is. That's what a song of ascent is. There were three holidays every year. There, there were a lot of holidays in Israel every year, but there were three that you were required. And all research kind of shows that not everybody, everybody kind of went to one a year or something like that. Because if you're, if you're a farmer, you don't have much time to, to take time off and go to some of these holidays that would last two weeks at a time. So you'd have a week to walk there or two weeks to celebrate and then a week to walk back. Your fields would be in ruin by the time you got back. But sometimes, every once in a while, uh, some people would go every year, some people would go to every one of them, uh, but other people, it would be a, a once in a, every couple of years you'd go to one of them, the, that kind of event. And it, the farther you lived away, there were some people that went only once in their lifetime. But as they went, they joined this throng, this caravan of people, all making their way to Jerusalem. Uh, they were making pilgrimage, and they were leaving their hometown a very small, dusty little village, very sparse uh, population, and they were going to the biggest city around, the biggest city they will have ever seen in their entire life. And it's called a song of ascent because, uh, unfortunately, you're going to walk uphill the whole way there because Jerusalem's on a hill. Um, it, it, you're probably used to looking at the map of Israel in your, in your Bible in the back back there. It, go ahead and turn to, turn to the map of Israel in, in, in the back of your Bible. And you'll see, okay, so there's Dan in the north, Beersheba in the south. Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, sometimes it'll say from Dan to Beersheba. And what that means is from sea to shining sea. That's what that means. From Dan to Beersheba. And then right there in the middle, there's Jerusalem. But what you don't know is that from west to east, it just goes straight up. It just goes straight up. Uh, the, those coastal plains on the western part, that's called the, uh, the plains of Sharon. And that's where a lot of people live. It's where you can do some farming. It's where you can actually uh, live and make something. Then there are some highlands. And in the north, there, there, there are these highlands that if you control them, you can control the whole region. They're called like the Golan Heights. You've probably heard of the Golan Heights. If you control the Golan Heights, you control the whole region. Uh, there have been a lot of battles fought there over the course of the years. Um, but if you're going from west and north all the way up to Jerusalem in the east and, at the, the, and in the middle of the country... You're going uphill the whole way. So as we ascend to Jerusalem, what do we do together? Does everybody listen to their iPod? 
Does everybody listen to a podcast? Does everybody put their Discman on? How many of you had a Discman? All right. How many of you still have a Discman? Okay. Um, what are you going to do? Are you going to read a magazine? No. You're just going to you're going to walk the whole way, and you're going to talk with the people around you because you probably only know most of the people from your village, but you probably have met a few people from a neighboring village, maybe a couple of villages away. And on the way, you see them, and you only see them once a year or once every couple of years, so you got to catch up along the way. But you all know that you're going to worship, and what do you do? Somebody who's musically inclined will start singing the very first line of any of these songs, and then guess what? A thousand people all walking together, all join in. It's incredible. It's incredible. What an amazing thing to see. And in the crowd, there are certain young people. There are certain young people. And guess what they're doing? They're going for the first time. And they have no idea what to expect. They were born in their village. They've grown up in their village. They've only ever seen their village. They have no idea what things look like five or ten miles away. That's what life is like in the ancient world. Do you know what life is like all the way in Waterville? Well, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, a lot of people didn't know what things were like 20 miles away. They certainly didn't know what it was like on the other side of those hills. They certainly didn't know what it was like on the other side of that river because you can't cross those things. But here we are, all going together and you're going to see things you've never seen before. You're going to see people you've never seen before. And all the older kids who are going for their second or third time are telling all the younger kids who are going for the first time what it's like and what you can expect and, and what, it'll, what you'll see when you get there. And everybody's just sort of waiting in great anticipation. And then you see it. And they couldn't describe it well enough. They couldn't describe it. It's so amazing. You've never seen a city that big. It's the biggest one in the country, the biggest one in the region. There's 100,000 people living there. 100,000 people? You come from a village where there's 50. You can't even imagine 100,000 people. And far off, somebody at the very beginning of the caravan will yell back, we can see it. And what's the first thing that they see? They're going to start seeing puff of smoke that you know is from the altar because it burns all the time. That smoke is going up forever, all the time. Smoke going up from the altar of the Lord. And then at some point, it gets even closer, and somebody sees it. The little glare of the gold on the top of the temple. You can see it. Oh, my goodness. And it takes a lot longer to get there. In fact, you're probably going to have to walk another day or two before you finally get there. But can you imagine? I'm walking towards something that I saw it yesterday, but I couldn't get there in a day's walk. And here... I just keep going. And the songs get more and more boisterous and louder. And there's so much more feeling as we get to it. All the whole way we've been singing. All the whole way. Every night when we camp, somebody starts a big song around the big campfire. And uh, the women will dance in this line over here. And the men will dance in this line over here. And then there will be some rabbi over here giving instruction, answering questions, talking to people all along the way and telling them how we will celebrate uh, this festival. All of that stuff moving along uh, at a snail's pace the whole way. And then finally, holy cow, look at verse 2. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. We've been walking for so long. We've been waiting for this for so long. Last year, I decided, okay. Last year, Dad decided I would go next year. 
All I do is work and toil in the soil. But dad told me, next year we're going. And I've been waiting for weeks and months. Dad's been waiting for a long time because he needs a break. He's only looking forward to the holidays. How many of you have said, if I can just make it to Christmas, if I can just make it to Thanksgiving, if we can just make it to here, and then the day is finally there. We get to drop all of the tools that we use every day, and here we go. And me, I've been waiting two or three years because I know that Dad, every year, goes, or every couple of years, goes to this pilgrimage, and next year he said I could finally go. And so here we are, all along in this caravan, and then finally we're there. And I can't believe it. I've never seen a city with walls. And now I'm seeing the city with the greatest walls ever all around me. I've never gone through gates, but these are amazing gates. I'm climbing all these limestone steps to get to the top, and the gates are open. And then what do we all do? We all squeeze through. I've never been in a crowd like this. The whole way the crowd was huge, but we could kind of space out a little bit on the road. But here I am in Jerusalem, and the crowd, if I fall, they're going to trample me. That happens in Mecca, you know. People die every year being trampled on, their, on the Hajj, the pilgrimage. And in, back in these days, you know it happened. You know it happened. But everybody's just walking. Have you ever been in a crowd like that? Coming out of a concert? Getting through airport security? <laughs> I don't know. No social distancing there. Everybody is just trying to get through with the sheep, dragging the sheep with them. It's incredible. But the journey's over. Uh, they've been telling me about all these things I was going to see. Now I'm seeing them. They've told me about all the things I'll smell. Now I'm smelling them. All the things I'll hear. It's so loud. I've never been in a place so loud. Horns blowing. People celebrating. People singing. People yelling and hawking things all over the place. It's incredible. And then what does the kids see? If you take it from the kids' standpoint, look at verse 3. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. Um, that verse is apparently very hard to translate because several different translations will put it different ways. Um, and and, and it, it must have some sort of double entendre going with it, um, not crude or anything, but uh, the, imagine a city that's so close together. All the buildings are just right side by side, right? Just one after the other. You know you've been to Boston, right? And all the buildings, they were built 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, and the, the streets are narrow and all the buildings are just right there next to each other. And the traffic is terrible because the roads are so narrow too, right? Well, now you're walking through Jerusalem and you're feeling the same kind of claustrophobia. But you also feel like, wow, the unity of the people who live here. We're all unified around this one certain belief. Incredible how this city even symbolizes what our nation is like or should be like. It's closely compacted together. One of the, one of the uh, translations says, it has walls that can't be breached. Well, that's a very different translation, but what they're saying is the walls and everything is so tight together, you can't penetrate into this place. But well, The metaphor could be that our people are so united together, especially now at this holiday, that nobody could possibly defeat us. Here we are, united, standing together. Because, look at verse 4, this is where the tribes go. You know, I'm from, you know, this kid that we're envisioning going there for the first time. He's from one certain tribe. Only ever been in the, that, the land of his tribe. Only ever been in his village. And then finally, here he is among the other tribes. The other tribes in different regions. And it's not like they're foreigners. They're his own people. But 
they have a different story. They have a different geography where they live. They talk different. They dress different. The little bitty variations. Some of them maybe from the other side of the Jordan have come over, and they're going to be very different. He's seeing diversity of people that he's never seen in his whole life, hearing different accents. In fact, when he speaks, everybody knows exactly where he's from. Remember? Uh, remember when Peter was around the fire uh, on the night that Jesus was arrested? He said, no, I don't know the man. And they said, of course you do. He's a Galilean. You're obviously a Galilean. Have you ever been somewhere outside of New England and people obviously knew you weren't from there? Okay. Well, I'm not from New England. And people ask me where I'm from all the time. And I don't mind. I proudly tell them I'm from Oklahoma. But I have a different accent. I'm a different kind of person. But see, all of this diversity of people there, incredible. And we've all come for the same thing, to praise the name of the Lord. We're all going to have the same religious experience. But not only that, there's a feeling of, my village is insignificant, but I'm in a place of incredible significance. In verse 5, he says, this is where the thrones are. Oh, there's a guy in my village who's the most powerful guy in my village. Right. But when he comes here, He's a small fish in a big pond. Because when I walk in here, who do I see? I see not only the temple up here, but the king's palace is right over there. It's an incredible building itself. And I see priests dressed in very special clothing. I've never seen people so glorious in all my life. And whenever you approach them, you approach them with reverence, and they judge whether or not your sacrifice is good enough. And they tell you whether or not you're clean or unclean, and they tell you what you have to do, and you have to do it. And not only that, there's this room over here, and that is where the elders meet. All the elders of Israel will go there. I don't even know these people, but they are the people who are over my tribe and over every other tribe, and that's where they will go. And in the time of Jesus, there's this place, and the Sanhedrin lives there. And then there's this other house, and that's the house for the high priest right there beside the temple. Okay, this is where the powerful people are. And I don't know if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., but to just walk around the mall and say, wow, this is where it happens. There's the Capitol building, and this is where they make the laws. And over here, this is the Supreme Court where they decide whether those laws are lawful or not. Over here is the White House where this powerful person makes incredibly powerful decisions that infect all of our lives. Here I am, this kid says, in Jerusalem. I've only heard about these places, but now I feel the amazing glory and majesty of the city of Jerusalem around me. It's so much, so much to take in. And there will be things to eat, and there will be games to play, and there will be streets to run around in. It's so amazing and it's so wonderful of a place to be that Jesus, as a boy, couldn't leave. You remember the very first thing he ever, uh, we ever have recorded, I think I, t I mentioned this last week, uh, his very first willful act was to stay behind, was to go to the holiday in Jerusalem, go celebrate the festival and then when his whole village was caravanning back to Nazareth, and he's supposed to be a part of it, he stays behind because he can't get enough of it. It's amazing. And now if you switch a little bit from 
from the perspective of the young kid to the perspective of the old man. He knows what this place is about even more than the kid does. The kid knows that this is a place of great grandeur, tall walls, big buildings, more food, more money, more prosperity, more rich people, more different people than he's ever been in, in his whole life. The most amazing place he's ever been. But the old man, he knows the scriptures. And he sits around and he looks at Jerusalem and he says, it's so much more than walls. It's so much more uh, than the king's palace. And that temple, that temple is only special because inside that temple, there's a room. And we don't even talk about it much. It's so holy. And we won't even say his name out loud. But there's somebody who lives in there. His presence is there. In fact, he doesn't really live there. He lives in heaven, so far away we can never imagine. But his footstool is right in there. And it's the Holy of Holies. And this place, it's not just a city. It's not just a great city. It's not just a fortification. It's the symbol of God's presence on earth with us. Every blessing we have on earth comes through here and goes out to the rest of the earth. All the blessings we enjoy, God pours it down this pipe right straight, not just to Israel, but to Jerusalem, and it all just goes out, and he plans to bless all the nations on earth right straight from here. That temple... It's the most special place in the world. So we must pray for the peace of this place. Why? Because if anything disrupts the conduit, then the blessings can't flow. And the nations can't be reached. And God's will, I don't, you, you can't thwart God's will. But I want God's will to flow Freely, God's word to flow freely, God's blessings to flow freely, straight from heaven, straight to earth, and this is the end of the pipe. It all comes from here. And so he says, pray for peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray that there will be peace within these walls. Pray that nothing would make it fracture. Pray that nothing would be able to breach the walls from the outside. Pray that peace will be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, for the sake of my family and friends, for the sake of all people in the world, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now we come back over to the New Testament. Uh, we come back over to us, who we are, and um, how life is different uh, for us now under the New Covenant than, than under the Old Covenant. But it's still the same. There's still a call going out, join me. Let's worship together. Join me. Let's walk with Christ arm in arm together. Join me. Let's sing together. Let's worship together. Let's grow together. Let's learn together. Let's celebrate together. All of us together arm in arm. And let us ascend the heights. Let us get closer and closer to the Lord together. And let's be in awe together about all the things that the Lord 
is doing in our lives together. And let's testify of his great and mighty acts as written in the Bible. And let's testify of his great and mighty acts in our own lives. And let's be encouraged because the journey is long, the road is dusty, but let's keep walking together, even if it's at a snail's pace. Let's keep walking together and let's ascend together. And let us pray for peace, not of Jerusalem, although that's a very good idea. Always be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, depending on your view of the end times, it's where everything's been happening. It's where everything's going to happen. And if anything divides the world, it's Jerusalem. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for that blessing of God's word to not be disrupted. We want to get God's word into our hearts and minds and overflowing into all of the world together. And a lack of peace sometimes, it disrupts that flow, okay? What it disrupts is our ability, and, and, and God be praised, he works in the chaos. But I hope that we can peacefully be able to reach out to people that are different from us, believe differently with that from us, people who need the good gospel, the good news that Jesus loves you and wants to graft everybody into his kingdom. He wants the road to be, even though the road is narrow, he wants it to be packed with people walking arm in arm towards him. So pray for that peace. Our country is fractured. Churches are fracturing. Families are fracturing all over the place. And we need to walk as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, arm in arm, together, right straight towards Jesus as fast as we can, even if it's at a snail's pace. Not be turned off the road and try to go anywhere else. Always be going toward the Lord. Okay? And let us sing together as we ascend and encourage one another. And every time we stop to rest, somebody tell their testimony of how the Lord's working in their life. And that's what a song of scent is. It is weary travelers walking the road together, going somewhere, someplace special, so that they can worship, and picking each other up along the road, and sharing around the fire everything that they have in common all along the road, because they know when they get there, they'll worship like they've never worshiped before, greater than they could possibly imagine. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for these songs of, of ascent. They don't just speak uh, a teaching into our life. They give us a flavor of what you want your people to be like, walking together in awe of you, celebrating you the whole time, knowing that when we finally get to our destination, we'll be close together, compacted closely, secure together, the enemy cannot breach our walls and, and even just us standing in arm in arm together. Lord, please, don't let your church fracture. Keep it together, bound closely. And we pray for peace above all things.
peace between us and you individually and peace with each other as well. Encourage us along the way, Lord. Give us that glimpse every once in a while that tells us you're on the right road, you're going the right direction, and we'll be there soon enough. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.